Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. Week number two of Fantasy Sports Daily begins with a recap of week number nine in the NFL. We welcome you in Kyle Elfrink, Ray Flowers with you. Yes, it is a Monday, which means it's a thorough, complete and beginning to end recap of everything that went down in the NFL. And Ray, uh, sort of as expected, pretty quiet Sunday. I, I remember last week we were looking at those uh, point totals out of Vegas, and I think we had five games that were sitting under 40. Uh, some of the matchups just had bad quarterbacks. Heck, I saw that yesterday with so many backup quarterbacks playing on Sunday. And what do you know? It, it was kind of ugly all around. I mean, I'm not saying it was a bad Sunday by any stretch, but for a fantasy player, kind of feel like low scores could win you the week in week number nine. Yeah, isn't that kind of the theme, Kyle, of kind of what's happened to this point in the season? I was writing the article, the Coffin Corner piece over at FantasyGuru.com. It comes out on Fridays. And it's like, you know, people bitching about B. John Robinson, who you know, had another one of those efforts because of the yeah. touchdown to Algier. But people bitching about him, and it's like, look, in a PPR setup, he's running back 11. Brian Robinson, no one wants to, Brian Robinson don't even wants to play. He's running back 13. Like it's everything has gotten really tight this year because we're just not getting a ton of those big level performances. It seems like there's a whole there's a big middle class, if you will, in the fantasy space. And it's kind of just uh, making everything tight. Yeah, the running back positions all over the place. I mean, there are the consistent studs like a Christian McCaffrey, who every single week is putting up big numbers. But other than that. We've got guys who show up, guys who disappear, they come back, they lose jobs, they lose carries. It's really been difficult. And that quarterback, I mean, I'm looking at this list yesterday, Ray, and, and it's no surprise that scoring is down when you have Brett Rippon and Clayton Toon and Tyson Bajant and Aiden O'Connell and Taylor Heineke. I mean, we got backups everywhere. Jaron Hall. I mean, it, it's just prevalent throughout. And unfortunately, we're going to have some more. I mean, the Giants are going to be going with another backup, and it's not going to be T-Rod Taylor this time. So it, it's, and again, I, I don't think injuries are worse than ever, but I, I understand why the offense is down when I look at uh, some of these quarterbacks and the backups. I mean, the backups, it used to be, Ray, you could at least get a backup a la a Joe Flacco who had eight, nine, ten years of experience. And yeah, he wasn't great, but he'd been there, done that. He'd been a starting QB. Those days are over, man. But most of these backup QBs, right, are younger than the starters, it feels like. Yeah, and there, I mean, there were some really, really bad efforts yesterday. Um, you know, Tune in particular really struggled, of course. And, uh, you know, it's fascinating in, in uh, Minnesota, right? They lost Hall. He goes down with the injury. They bring in Romeo Dubs. Dubs throws for 158 yards and has two fumbles. I think he had three fumbles, too, that he lost. And he's QB4 this week. <laughs> Think about that. He didn't even throw for 160 yards, and he turned the ball over twice on the ground and lost the third phone. And he's quarterback four. So he also he also suffered a safety. <laughs> yeah, true. Good point. Yes, good point. Uh, and it looked it looked like it was all going to go horribly wrong when he was brought into the game. But he obviously found his legs, if you will. Had that success on the ground. Seven carries for 66 yards and the touchdown, which makes such a big difference. But yeah, the quarterback position. You know, we've talked about this a lot, and we've got we're, we're, we've aged out of a lot of the guys, right? Matt Ryan's gone, mm -hmm. Philip Rivers is gone, Peyton Manning's gone, Tom Brady's gone. We're getting guys like Matthew Stafford getting toward the end. Like these new guys need to step up, and there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of athleticism and excitement about the future, but there's a lot of refinement that's necessary it, as well. It's a great point. We saw this about five years ago, Ray. 
Whereas you noted, we were aging out of the position. We, we were very lucky in the early 2000s and then into the 2010s to have studs, like multiple Hall of Famers at this position. Guys who succeeded for not just five years, but for 15 years. Like guys who'd been there, done that. We were all used to them. Were they always great? No, but they were always capable. And when you have that looming cliff like we had, you have a draft, you can replenish. But I don't know if we should be shocked that, oh, we didn't find a load of Hall of Famers in the previous five draft classes. So there is a bit of a lurch. Um, it's not the I know everybody wants to say, oh, it's the worst it's ever been, you know, make these grand proclamations. It's just a fact of where we are, um, that we haven't been able to really sustain the lucky 20-year run we had with all these great quarterbacks. Uh, let's jump into our bullet points. What are we hitting you with on this Monday? Well, obviously, we'll go game by game. We will recap the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, if we're going to complain about the quarterbacks, we should celebrate one of the young quarterbacks who just was epic on Sunday. That would be C.J. Stroud, who honestly did things we've never seen from a rookie quarterback. So we'll talk about his effort against the Buccaneers and what it means for the rest of the season. We will answer the question that is on everybody's mind. At least it was yesterday at about 3 o'clock Eastern. Who in the hell is Keaton Mitchell? Um, we will talk about more European dysfunction. I warned you about this on Friday. These teams, I don't care who you are, Chiefs, Dolphins, whoever, you go to Europe and the scoring does not translate. It didn't translate in Frankfurt, Germany yesterday. And we got another game coming up in Germany this weekend. The Bengals look very good in that Sunday night showdown against Buffalo. Are we in the clear when it comes to Joe Burrow and the rest of them? Unfortunately, we got injuries, Daniel Jones, Dallas Goddard, and we'll uh, check in with Ryan Gif uh, Clifford, who joins us here in about an hour or so. Uh, he, of course, has the Monday Night Football DFS showdown piece. It's up and available right now at fantasyguru.com. Ryan's going to join us with his thoughts on the Chargers and the Jets that get going a bit later tonight. And speaking of the homepage, fantasyguru.com, I think Armando Marsal already on this Monday morning has his week nine takeaways. So make sure to check out that column. And as always, Ray, people can check out the promo code there, FSD20. Now is the time, 20% off everything, baseball, football, hockey, all of it, Ray, 20% off right now. Or even the MVP package, if you want to get everything as well, if you want to get it all in one. Uh, but yeah, that gets you all the articles, that gets you 24-7 uh, access to Discord, it gets you the rankings, as you said, college football, basketball, baseball, hockey, all that stuff is covered. NASCAR, we've got it all going for you. EPL, soccer, Kyle, right? We got a little bit of that, too, with Ani Sridhar, who we talked to last week. So, yeah, promo code FSD20. Sign up, folks. Let's go. Okay, so to uh, check it out. And uh, we welcome you in. If you haven't caught us, last week was week number one of what we do here at uh, YouTube and Facebook and X and everywhere else. And, of course, after we are finished with these videos, they are always cataloged and maintained on the uh, Elite YouTube page. So you, if you miss us from 11 to noon Eastern, you can always catch us in the afternoon or at your leisure. And, of course, podcast audio only. Uh, those are being posted very quickly after the show, right, Ray? It's within, what, 15, 20 minutes that the audio portion of what you and I do every day is available for people to download. Yeah, on YouTube, it's youtube.com slash at Elite Plus Network. And that's where they're stored, as Kyle's mentioning, if you don't catch them live. YouTube.com slash at Elite Plus Network. Uh, and then we also have links on that page. Uh, if you go to the About tab or you just click on the more links at the top on the YouTube page, uh, you can find how to find us uh, over at Spotify. 
and Apple Podcasts. You can also just type in Fantasy Sports Daily and it should pop up as well. But yeah, both uh, the Apple Podcast and Spotify, they're up within about a half hour uh, mm-hmm. when we're done here. So they've been going up pretty quickly. So if you get a chance, uh, if you miss us here and you want to download us and take us on the go, check out uh, Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. So in all reality, you can't get away from us. Uh, pretty much. We, we can be found wherever you want to find us. Just uh, type in our name, go to your podcast downloading site, your YouTube, whatever. Uh, We are here. We are available, but live each and every day, Monday through Friday, 11 to noon Eastern. Okay, Ray, let's dig into week nine, and uh, we might as well start with C.J. Stroud. Um, I watched more of this game than I ever would have expected because we saw a lot of scoring in this game. The Texans eventually went at 39 to 37. Stroud is the whole story coming out of this one. 470 yards. We've never seen a rookie quarterback reach that level in a single game. He had five touchdown passes. Uh, which ties a rookie quarterback record. He had no interceptions. What was fascinating to me, like I said, I I watched more of this game than I would have expected, Ray. He wasn't particularly sharp early on. Um, I I thought he kind of looked more like C.J. Stroud, who for this season has been good as a rookie. Not great, but good. Um, Obviously, he'd avoided the interceptions, which is so often the backbreaker for these young signal callers. He just avoided those. Uh, yesterday he had none. He's got one pick the entire season. He had never had more than two passing touchdowns in any of his first seven or eight games. But obviously, Ray, he blew those marks out of the water with the five touchdowns. And he was hitting everybody. It's it's kind of wild to look at this box score with the Texans. And you see three dudes over 100 yards. Uh, you see a fourth guy in Nico Collins, who is actually the leading receiver for this team. But he was fourth on Sunday. He also had double digits in a PPR setup. They had four different receivers getting into double digits, and it just speaks to how impressive the the Texans really were, most notably in the second half. They were sharp, and they were moving the football against Tampa. Yeah, Noah Brown, Tank Dell, and Dalton Schultz all went 100 and a touchdown, if not more. Uh, You mentioned Nico Collins, 354 and a score there as well. And, you know, I, Jeff Mann's talked about this a lot in the preseason. So this is – and it's we're halfway through the first year of these guys. But he was like, C.J. Stroud is just more capable. He's going to be better in the NFL level than Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. And to date, we have seen Bryce Young in another rough effort yesterday. Um, look like the Texans got – made the right call here by getting fortunate enough to not be able to make the call because the <laughs> Panthers took the wrong guy. Now, maybe it's too long. Again, it's eight games, nine games. Okay. But C.J. Stroud is, you know, he's impressive. He's got the physical size. He's got the arm strength. He certainly looks like he has the poise. As we're discussing here, he, you know, moved the ball over the field. And you have to remember, too, that they won the football game. A lot of times we have these efforts and they don't win the game. So they won the game, late touchdown and all that. But he's been doing all the positive things he's been doing this year without a rushing attack. They can't establish anything on the ground. Even yesterday, you know, Damian Pierce was out and the leading rusher was Devin Singletary. He had 26 yards. So... When they can complement what he is able to do already in his career as a passer, when they can complement that on the ground, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Texans fan or an owner of Stroud in the fantasy space. Moving forward, um, a lot of people want to now jump to the conclusion, oh, he can be a QB1 the rest of the way. I, I, I'm not going to jump there, Ray, and, and I'll say that for a couple of reasons. Um, now, maybe he gets there just because the position gets destroyed and he's the only guy who's upright for 16 or 17 games. So maybe he backs his way into QB one. I, I loved yesterday. It was exciting. It was fun doing it against the bucks is impressive too. This is not, you know, doing it against the Denver Broncos secondary. Uh, the Buccaneers came into this, not with a great defense, but a good defense. 
and CJ Stroud just ripped them into shreds in, in the third and fourth quarter. But Ray, we, we don't have a rushing quarterback. Um, I don't even think he has a hundred yards rushing on the season. Uh, I think he's below 80. In fact, um, you do have a quarterback who can throw and the interceptions avoiding those is great. I, I still look at this receiving crew, Ray, and it's, it's solid enough for now. Mm-hmm. But I don't look at any of these guys and say, oh, he can become the guy. He, he can be that that go-to receiver for C.J. Stroud. Nico Collins is fine as is. Tank Dell is explosive. You know, Noah Brown, what he did yesterday, I don't know if I'm bursting any bubbles, but I don't really care. Maybe that's <laughs> unfair. It, it probably is unfair. I do like Dalton Schultz. Yep. You know, he's, he's probably one of those top 10, top 12 tight ends. Yep. But I look at these receivers, Ray, and I'm not really there with what what we need to like lift a quarterback to QB one. If you're not going to have the rushing numbers, which he doesn't, and you don't have the stud receiver, I, I kind of worry about you getting there week after week after week. Do you disagree with that take on Stroud and and kind of the Texans' offense? Robert Woods, baby, let's go. Who's hurt? Who's hurt? Um, and old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that like. Having that rushing component, we've already mentioned Dobbs, right? Having that rushing component is so huge. And as, right now, Dobbs is the top 10 NFL quarterback in the fantasy space. And he's throwing for 206 yards a week or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> so not having that for Stroud, like a lot of the other top-level guys, you know, Lamar Jackson doesn't do anything through the air, but he still runs for 60 yards yesterday. It is, you know, it is, and we've seen this for years, right? He, Stroud is probably going to fall into that Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan zone that we talked about, right? where it's, you know, QB 8 to 14. He's in that zone, and it all depends on the week and the matchup and all that kind of thing. I think that right now he's a top 10 fantasy quarterback for the season, and I think he can be a QB 1 the rest of the way for what you let off the, the show with here, Kyle. It's that this position stinks this year. And not only does it stink this year in terms of some of the guys that are playing, guys are falling all over the place. Right? It's guys trending think, towards tight end, isn't it? <laughs> it, it kind of it, well. It, there's a lot of parity there. Yeah. yeah, you know, Matthew Stafford wasn't on the field. Derek Carr's out there, but they bring in Taysom Hill all the time, so his numbers aren't quite what they they should be. You know, Russell Wilson's on pace to throw for you know 2,200 yards and 32 touchdowns. I'm making that up. He's getting the touchdowns. He's not the yards. You know, Sam Howell's producing in the fantasy game, but he's all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, the Falcons can't decide who their quarterback. I mean, it's just you know, it's just bad. So I think he can be a QB one. But it's not necessarily just because of what he can bring. It's the position as well. How about these receivers? Because that, that's what people are excited about, too. Like I said, Schultz, if you have him as a tight end, you're fine. I, I would have said that before yesterday. You're still fine. Tank Dell Ray has had some, some big efforts. I think three or four games over 20 points in a PPR setup. He was the number one fantasy receiver uh, so far in week nine. Noah Brown, I'm not really buying it. Nico Collins is fine. But are, are any of these guys, are they even wide receiver twos the rest of the way? It's tough. And I, I will admit that I'm a sizist a little bit, right? But I mean, Tankdale's 5'8", 165. He's Tavon Austin. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just, a, and so and you see it yesterday, they got him a couple of carries. Like they're manufacturing touches for him, which is great. But there are just limitations there, you know, and, and coverage can swallow him up. And if he's not breaking up, breaking a tackle and going for 70 yards on a play, it's just tough. So I look at him and think, to answer your question, I don't think he's a wide receiver too. I think Nico Collins is their best bet as a wide receiver too. And we've seen him for the most part be fairly consistent in the fantasy space, right? There's been some ups and downs, but that's that's you know the way it is for all receivers. Collins has got the size. Um, what does concern me a little bit is what we saw yesterday. 
you know, he has a touchdown, 54 yards. Everyone's fine in the fantasy space. But Noah Brown, and part of Noah Brown was that, you know, 75-yard touchdown yeah. or whatever. But Noah Brown's getting more targets. You know, Tank Dell's getting almost twice as many targets. It's like, so I don't know if there is an answer to this guy's a wide receiver too every week. If I had to choose one, it would be Collins. But I think they're all usable pieces for people that use three wide receivers each week. On the other side of this matchup, of course, Tampa had uh, 37 points. Kate Otten was was quite huge. There were a lot of good tight ends yesterday. I think we almost had and we might have had as many tight ends with 20 points or more than wide receivers with 20 points or more yesterday. And Kate Otten was one of those tight ends over 20 points. The other notable thing with Tampa, Ray, um, Rashad White. It, 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 I, I've talked about Rashad White and, you know, other incarnations of, of what we do here and kind of said, ah, it's it's so bad. It's so blah. It's so nothing. What we've seen the last three weeks, 99 total yards in week seven, 109 total yards in week eight, and then in week nine, 119. And he got in the end zone a couple of times. It's not because he's excelling really either. It's just because, Ray, they, they, they have nobody else to turn to. They're not willing to turn to these other guys that I know some of us have been picking up. Some of us have been taking flyers on because Rashad White wasn't doing anything. And, and really these last three weeks, I, I say total yards because, Ray, he's doing his damage in, in terms of yardage with the receiving game. It was right. great to get two rushing touchdowns on Sunday against the Texans, but overall his value is dictated by the fact that he's used in the receiving game and Baker Mayfield is dumping off to him. We're seeing four or five catches a week. And that is really, I don't know if it's fair to say artificially, but it is inflating his overall numbers because the rushing totals on a per touch are still pretty crappy for Rashad white, but he's getting enough touches to where the overall marks look just fine lately. Yeah. Rashad white has failed to run for 40 yards in three or four games. I mean, basically what white is doing is what, the expectation slash hope was with a guy like Najee Harris when the season began, right? It's that there's volume here. There's enough volume to carry every week. You have those big weeks when you get in the end zone, you're getting 12 to 15 points. You get a touchdown or two, you're at the 20 point zone and everyone's happy. Rashad white and this bucks team. Um, they're not doing anything on the ground. As you said, they haven't done anything on the ground for two years. Uh, he's got two games this season where he's run for 60 yards, which is not whoopie do time at all. It's the receptions in the last three games. He said six, seven and four catches that's 17 catches in three games that's not alvin kamara but it's damn close like we're talking almost six catches a week and if you're in a even if you're in a non-ppr setup as you're talking about his scrimmage yards are buoyed so much by the receptions that you're basically looking at a guy scoring 10 points a week if he doesn't get in the end zone in a non-ppr setup in that ppr setup it's like a 15 point floor so i i don't you know i don't see that changing it's hilarious you know Keyshawn vaughn and chase edmonds are getting you know they had six carries, six touches yesterday for like minus yards. Like they can't do anything. So it's just volume, volume, volume for White. And it's not likely to stop anytime soon. We get a total of uh, 76 points in that game between the Bucks and the Texans. Uh, the Vegas game total was 40 <laughs> going into that one. So they almost doubled the expected point total. And I bring that up, Ray, because I do want to talk about the Chiefs and the Dolphins who did not come close uh, to their expected total. Uh, 51 and a half was the total. They got the 35. And as a as a football fan, Ray, that game was fine. You know, maybe a little underwhelming. The first half totally belonged to the Chiefs. And the second half kind of belonged to the Dolphins. And it went down to the final two minutes. So it was it was entertaining. But it's kind of wild to, to look at that game. And A, 
see 35 points between these two teams. Chiefs win it 21 to 14. But, Ray, you don't have Pat Mahomes hit 200 yards passing. Uh, you don't have Tua Tungabailoa hit 200 yards passing. Saw the worst game of the year. About the worst game you could ever have if you're Travis Kelsey. I mean, three catches, 14 yards is just lousy. Um, Tyreek Hill at 63 yards. I guess his standards are so high that we say that's a bad game. Mm-hmm. It was just surprising to, to see really nothing that would get a fantasy player out of bed early on Sunday morning. It was it was a quiet but fun to watch kind of football game between those two. Yeah, and I think there's a couple things that really stood out for me. You had Jalen Waddle hurt his knee early and all kinds of concern. He's in the 10. He's talking to people. They bring him back out on the field, and immediately they give him the ball. He doesn't end around for 12 yards. Here we go. Four touches in the game. Didn't get the ball. Didn't do anything. You mentioned Tyree Kill, who was going to retire from football if they didn't win or he didn't score three touchdowns or whatever the hell it was. He didn't do that. I think the other big takeaway for me is that the – and we've talked about this this season, you and I have. The Chiefs are 7-2, and two, and they won a football game yesterday, and that's matter. They just keep marching on. Mm-hmm. What is this offense? It's a mess. Yeah. Nine guys caught passes again yesterday. You know, Patrick Mahomes is just throwing the ball to everyone, which is great for the offense. It's hard for a defense to, I guess, combat that. But there's no one other than Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco that are established in this offense. No one. Rasheed Rice, who we thought was ascending to the wide receiver, won them, scores a touchdown yesterday. That's great. He had two targets, two. Mm-hmm. You can't have your number one wide receiver getting two targets. So I don't know. I mean, you said this thing last week with Mahomes. And again, they won the football game and he had two touchdown passes. Okay. I haven't heard a lot of people complain about Patrick Mahomes, but really, I mean, all those people that are complaining about B. John Robinson, you took B. John Robinson in the first round. He, you know, he's running back 11 heading into this week. You took Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes, you know, after yesterday, what is he? I don't even know where he's at. Where is he at the quarterback position? Is he top 10? Let's look this up, Kyle, real quick. He's had um, a lot more weeks outside of the he's top, top five. In it. Yeah. He's top five, but it's been a couple of, like you said, big efforts. And, you know, the last two games, he scored, what, 27 points? The last two games, C.J. Stroud had 42 yesterday. So, yeah, Mahomes has been disappointing. The offense has been disappointing. And honestly, Kyle, they don't have an identity right now. Well, and and look at, and again, it's, it's kind of like what we were talking about with Tyreek Hill. The, the standard is so great for Patrick Mahomes. And Ray would probably say this, I'll say this, if you said, hey, Choose one quarterback in the NFL. Who do you want? I'd go Patrick Mahomes. So would I. I think Ray yeah. would too. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a fact of life, Ray. All the numbers are way down. Mm-hmm. All of them. I mean, we're yeah. more than halfway through the season. He's nine games in. Last season, he had 41 touchdowns. This season, he's on pace for like 32, 33. I mean, compare that to 2018, he had 50. <laughs> that was in 16 games. Um, if you look at the yardage, and, and this is a biggie one. It Toilet. is crashed. I mean, and I think we talked about this uh, maybe last Friday or so. He is saving his fantasy value with rushing. Mm-hmm. He, he he really knows when to tuck it and run or when to throw it away. He's done very well with that. Ray, right now, he's going to have to explode to get to 5,000 passing yards, which last year he was at 5,250. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have expected a repeat of that. But I think everybody drafted him, Ray, said, ah, 4,800. That's really fair, 48. I don't even know if he gets there. He's 270 yards passing per game. To put that in perspective, his career average before this year was over 300. So it's 30 few. And it, it, people hear that and who cares? You know, who cares? But 
that's a point a week in terms of passing yardage, or at least a point, point and a half. Mm-hmm. And, and that yardage leads to touchdowns. You know, it does. Eventually, every 20, 35 yards of passing leads to touchdowns. So it, it's not bad, Ray, but it is a little bit light from the expectation we had. Yeah, like 99.9% of quarterbacks ever have this season, and it's a career year, right? Like, it's he's still doing very well, but it is below expectations, and it's below expectations across the board. Um, his, he's going to, he could set a career worst in interceptions as well. You mentioned the touchdowns going down. You mentioned the yardage going down and when you say 4,800 yards, we do have 17 games now. So if he's throwing yeah. for 300 a week, it's 5,000. So, you know, um, and again, there could be some 400 yard games here down the stretch. It could be four or five touchdown games. And in the end, I don't, you know, in the end, the numbers are there, but it hasn't been as consistent on a weekly basis. And something else that is benefiting him is what we talked about at the top. The position as a whole has pulled back. So if other guys were really ascending like they have in the past, I think more people would be concerned with Mahomes, who's kind of stuck a little bit kind of just as a mid-level boring level for him. And the Chiefs are still dangerous, but listen to some of these point totals this year. These are how many points the Chiefs have scored. 21, 9, 19, 17, and 20. You know, half the season... (laughs) <laughs> they're they're struggling to get the three touchdowns. They've been the Saints half the season. Yeah, yeah it's kind of crazy, kind of crazy. Uh, anyway, they got the win, and now they get the bye week. Uh, both the Dolphins and the Chiefs, as well as the Eagles, <laughs> all on bye in week 10. The Rams are the fourth team. We don't really care about them, but that's three powerhouses going to be on bye in week 10. Let's talk about uh, that third powerhouse, Philadelphia. Uh, that was an entertaining game. Whether you're just a general football fan or you needed fantasy numbers, Ray, we got that from the Eagles and the Cowboys. Um, it was just as as good as we could have hoped for. And pretty well everybody we needed to do stuff, they did stuff. I guess the running backs were a little, you know, could have asked for more there from a Pollard or a Swift. But in terms of receivers and the quarterbacks, um, they did just fine. Press got a big game. Hurts a big game. I, I walk away from this, Ray, and I, I think about two guys. Jalen Hurts continually limping. And he took a shot to his knee. That when you watch the replay, Ray, I'm shocked he wasn't out for the rest of the game. Like bent the, the wrong knee way. bent. The yeah. knee absolutely bent. He stayed out there. Um, he managed to, to still look fine. But that's now a few weeks, Ray, where that knee has caused some issues. So, you know, you start to wonder, do the Eagles really push it? I, they're still going to do the fourth and one brotherly shove. That's there. But the other stuff, is it going to be there for Jalen Hurts? And then the additional injury was Dallas Goddard. Uh, we got the news late last night, broken forearm. He is going to miss weeks. And an IR stint for Goddard could be pretty possible, it sounds like. Yeah, and uh, the, the reports as we record this are still coming in. Uh, it sounds like an IR. It sounds like bone issues, all that kind of stuff. And that's a significant loss. You know, Dallas Goddard started slowly. And I know some people in the fantasy space were concerned about, you know, what are we going to get out of this guy? But the last couple of weeks here, we really start to see him establish himself in the offense. So the timing of this is bad. Uh, you know, you look at their their group there, Jack Stoll, Albert O. Albert O is actually with the Eagles organization, if I'm not mistaken now. So they'll have to figure something out there um, to buttress a loss that's a significant one to their offense if Dallas Goddard indeed is placed on the injured list or even if he just misses weeks with the issue. I mentioned Pollard. Uh, Ray, he was a star in September. First three weeks, Tony Pollard looked the real deal. You know, he looked like an RB1. Ray, he's disappeared, and and some of its workload. And this was a question coming into the season. You know, could he withstand the the beatings and the rigors of a full NFL season? 
and and I'm not going to say it's on him or the Cowboys are making the wrong decision, but we just got to state the facts of the facts. He's disappeared since about the third week of the season. The the, the lack of rushing attempts, uh, the ineffectiveness on a per touch basis, it's just kind of fallen off for Tony Pollard. You still have to start him every week. He's still an RB two, but dreams of RB one. Um, unless he really picks up the touchdowns or we get back to the, the 15 to 20 touches a week, they're just not there for Pollard right now. Yeah, and he re- even mentioned on the broadcast yesterday, which I was kind of surprised by. Normally, you guys some coverage, but they basically said, well, you know, he doesn't look like the same guy or he's not producing like he did last year. And this is something that, you know, we talked about, we, you and I have talked about for the last couple of years, is that it's the Jalen Warren thing, too, this year. Got, these guys sometimes look great when they're getting their 10 touches. And they're coming in when the defense is a little gassed after the, the running back one has pounded them, pounded them, pounded them. Here comes the guy, rips it through a hole. You know, they call some stretch play. There we go. There's the speed on display. Mm-hmm. And it changes when you're touching the ball 18 times a week. And the, the Cowboys did heavily, aggressively give Tony Pollard work in the start at the start of the season, which seemed crazy to all of us at the time because <laughs> this guy couldn't, this guy would t- take two carries last year and have to. Yeah. Go to the wave to the silence. I got to come out. And they were giving him 20 plus touches every week. And I guess they didn't like his reaction to that, Ray. And I'm not saying like how you reacted on the field, but right. how his body reacted on like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to all yeah. that workload early in the season. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. And also they're trying to find a balance because as you noted, it's not working. His yards per carry mark compared to the last two years is down like 1.3 yards a carry, hmm. which is massive. His yards after contact, 2.6 last year. 1.5 this year, massive drop. He broke a tackle every 17 carries last year. This year, every 60 carries. He's not driving the ball. He's not showing the same speed. He's not moving the pile. He is not getting it done right now. And the thing that does still save him is he's still in a good offense. Mm-hmm. He's still an offense that's going to plan on giving him the ball 15 times a week. And there's a lot of shared backfields across the NFL. We had a huge week eight for Dak Prescott. We had a good week nine. He was you know, around 350 yards. Since I brought up Stroud earlier, which Texas QB would you take rest mm. of the night? Prescott or Stroud? I'd go Dak Prescott. He stepped out of bounds, too, on that late play, right? That <laughs> two down by three inches. Um, You know what? I'll go Dak Prescott as well, but that's close. It's closer than I would have anticipated. There are similar types of quarterbacks. Similar types. I, I think one advantage Stroud has is I sense the Texans are a little more open to the idea of 35 to 40 passes a week. You talked about the running game. They just right. don't have one. Now, Dallas, last couple of weeks, they've opened it up a bit. I, I still take Prescott because of experience and C.D. Lamb. I, I think those are two huge advantages he has. It is. And, you know, on the on the flip side, the Texans defense sometimes, you know, I don't think anyone would look at the Texans defense and say it's better than the Cowboys. So maybe they have some opportunities to pass a little bit more in the second half. Mm-hmm. It's a very tough call because I think you're right. I think that, you know, 32 passes a week for Prescott, thumbs up, 39 passes a week for Stroud, thumbs up. So it's a tough call. I'll go Prescott, but ooh, that one's tight, Kyle. It's close. You know, talking about that work, uh, lack thereof with Tony Pollard, uh, kind of segues into our next game, Atlanta and Minnesota. And obviously the storyline from a from a national perspective is like Josh Dobbs. And, and it was pretty remarkable uh, reading some things about how the Vikings were bringing plays into Dobbs and the receivers kind of uh, seconding, you know, reminding Dobbs what their route was there. They're, it, it was fairly impressive and and full credit to him and a big win for the Vikings. They they could have easily collapsed there. Um and and hey, good win. Ray, this is an indictment on the Falcons, man. Holy cow. 
you, you got to win that game. You're at home. You're up early. And speaking of indictments, Ray, Arthur Smith in this backfield. Let, let's talk about it. Uh, because B. John Robinson, through nine games, is averaging like just a shade over 11 carries per week. Which, if you asked me, Ray, coming into the season, how many carries per week? 15, 16. Right. You made this guy a top 10 draft pick. Which no one does. You want to run the football, do it. Mm -hmm. And instead, what we've seen week after week after week, Ray, um, is B. John Robinson being totally ignored once they get to the red zone. Going full stretches where he's not even on the field because they're trying to get Tyler Algier work. I mean, we're nine games in, Ray, or nine weeks in, and Tyler Algier, who got the touchdown yesterday, and honestly looked pretty decent on that go-ahead drive for the Falcons. For the most part this year, he's shown nothing. He had that huge week one, and then he's just been vulturing touchdowns ever since. This is really confusing with how they're using Bijan Robinson. And I, I know maybe he's not great, but I don't even think he's been given the opportunity to show what he can do, Ray. They, they it makes no sense to draft this guy to understand what we know about running backs and how quickly they can use them, use them or lose them. And right now, Ray, I guess they're just going to lose them. And I think they're blowing a huge opportunity with Bijan Robinson. Well, I mean, Kyle, Tyler Algier is averaging 3.2 yards a carry this season. Um, Bijan Robinson, by the way, five. Um, I don't get this. And then this is, and, and I've seen someone was talking to me on, on Twitter yesterday. By the way, you can follow me on all the Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all that stuff, at the Ray Flowers. Um, someone said, I'm never using any Falcon in DFS again. And it's like, I can't blame you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we can break down matchups, and it makes all the sense in the world that B. John Robinson is going to be involved. And then he's not. And I don't, you know, if you look at the snap counts yesterday, B. John Robinson played 42 snaps. Tyler Julian played 24. In the end, there was a one-carry difference. So Tyler Archil gets the football when he's on the field. B. John Robinson just running around and doing things. It's it like B. John is treated more as like a gadget receiver. He's like the way – he's running more routes than he is getting the football. He's Cordero Patterson last year. <laughs> it's I mean, in, in certain – really, right? And, you know, I think you said it perfectly. There is an expectation in this game, a logical, rational explanation. No one takes running backs in the top ten anymore. If you take a running back in the top 10, you give him the ball 20, 20 times a week. Yeah. That's what you do. And we keep waiting for the thing to turn, right? It's like, okay, they're going to slow play this. It's a longer season in the NFL than you play in college, all those kind of things. Okay, when is the ramp up? We're getting a ramp down mm -hmm. with B. John Robinson. So I don't get it. I don't understand. Uh, I think that anyone that took him in the first round has to be super disappointed. But I'll say this, and I wrote this in the, the Coffin Corner article last week. That heading into last week, B. John Robinson in a game he didn't play, right? Because he had he was one touch. He's running back 11 in the PPR setup heading into this week. Right now, let's see where he's at. Um, so he's he's still oh, it hasn't updated for the whole week. He's still gonna be top 15 when the week is over. Mm -hmm. And that's how bad the running back position be. He has a game where he goes for 150 yards and two scores. Next week he catches seven passes for 90 yards. He's running back eight. You know what I mean? Like it's not that far off, but I don't understand the usage pattern. It's incredibly frustrating, and it makes no sense. And and they're now four and five, and that's a team that started off well and had visions of the playoffs, and actually they still do in the NFC South. It, take the leash off, man. Turn them loose. You got to go. Remove the bubble wrap, and let's go. And 
you know, they made the move to Heineke, and it, it was a bit better for the Falcons, but they still lost, and they were settling for field goals. Heineke had a, a boneheaded throw that led to a turnover and totally brought the Vikings back into that game. So, I, you know, was it better than than Desmond Ritter? Yeah, but it wasn't dominating better. I, I thought their opportunity to win would have been as good with Ritter as it would have been with Heineke. Uh, they let Heineke throw the football. I think in the first half he had like 24 pass attempts. Ritter, they they had no trust in throwing the football. He averaged like 15 pass attempts in first halves this year. So they did come out with a little more aggression there. They were doing it without Drink London. Uh, congrats to Janu Smith in game number 99 of his career. Janu Smith had his first 100-yard receiving effort. And, Ray, that's Janu Smith who will be a top 10 tight end, it looks like, this year, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and and don't forget he got a carry too. Yeah, in the red zone, but in, doesn't go to Bijan Robinson. Yeah, and and Jeff Manns wrote about this in the weekly preview. Armando Marsal does the major thing. Jeff writes then, you know, plays you missed over at fantasyguru.com. And I'll just read what he, he said. Something that will be lost in the parade of terrible Alex Smith decisions this week will be the incredible play calls on first and goal from the six yard line after a Vikings fumble, a Jonu Smith short pass, a Jonu Smith run. And then a straight-ahead run by Tyler Algier gained one yard. Yeah. So that that's their offense. Their offense in the green zone is Jonu Smith. It's not the guy we spent a first-round pick on. It's not the generational <laughs> talent, according to every scout that saw this kid play. It's Jonu Smith and Tyler Algier. Yeah. Well, they did score yesterday, 28 points, but they lose. Um, as frustrated as we are with the Falcons, at least they aren't the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Ray, it was hideous. It was bad. I ask you this, and and Cleveland, you know, Cleveland's defense considered good, let's say. Uh, that was their first shutout since 2007, by the way. But but I ask you this, Ray. Is Kyler Murray going to matter? Is, is he going to make that much of a difference for a team that doesn't really have a backfield? That honestly, Hollywood Brown, he's kind of just a guy I don't know maybe it's been unfair because he hasn't had the quarterback but is Kyler Murray going to make a difference in the second half for this team and for this offense well they were without Michael Wilson yesterday and though he hasn't done a lot in a consistency basis we've talked about him since the preseason he's the one big receiver they have so I think that's important to have him on the field they didn't have that James Conner obviously is still on the sidelines they're hoping to have him back soon that's a huge benefit because they lost DeMarcado didn't play yesterday Ingram, I don't know. Ingram's got 20 carries for 30 yards the last two games he started, so he's done absolutely nothing, to your point. No rushing attack. And then there's Kyler Murray. So you can make the argument they were without their quarterback, their running back one, and their wide receiver two. Yeah. Any offense and they're is starting score. tight end. And they're, start, <laughs> and they're starting tight end. Thank you, with Zach Ertz. So, you know, um, will Kyler Murray make a difference? Yeah, I think he will. Will they win games? I mean, no, it's not going to make that difference. But I think in the fantasy space, it'll help. Now, the real question with Murray is, Coming back from the ACL surgery, and we anticipate that this week, or he doesn't come back this year, right? Um, coming back from his knee injury, how willing slash able is he to run? Because if he has to sit in the pocket, it's going to be like this. Like, it's not, you know, he's going to have to manufacture plays. He's going to have to do the, the, the jitterbug thing to let guys run around mm -hmm. and lose their defenders and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's really the key. Where is he at physically? It will be better. They should be effective and score some points, but they're not a good team. They're not going anywhere. 
And there's obviously a lot of concern <laughs> about where their draft pick is going to be next year and what they're going to do with that. Well, and anybody who's watched Murray, what what makes him enticing is also what makes him so frustrating is, is the constant need to spin around and scramble and create plays. And you're right. Does he have that when he comes back? If, if Kyler Murray is a, a pocket passer <laughs> the rest of the year, I worry about that. Uh, so hopefully that knee is good enough to do some damage. On the flip side, Cleveland did have Deshaun Watson back. Um, I guess you call it a win, 219 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, Amari Cooper was good. Jerome Ford got a lot of work, 20 carries. Got in the end zone. Uh, Kareem Hunt still got 14 carries. Uh, Cleveland is a run-first offense. And uh, I know people are thinking, oh, Deshaun Watson's back and still envisioning hopes that he can uh, return to his glory days of Houston. But I don't know if it's going to work right now with this offense. Uh, they are very intent on uh, running the football. Uh, that Arizona offense unable to score. The uh, L.A. Rams did score a robust three points against Green Bay. Ray, that was a damn ugly game. Yeah, like Green Bay won this game by 17 points, which usually speaks to to dominance. They they were bad too. This was one of the worst games of the season, I think. L.A. was totally inept, and Green Bay wasn't that good either. I, I didn't think Green Bay played a a good game at all. I didn't think Jordan Love was anything special. Uh, the best thing to come out of this is seeing Aaron Jones able to handle like a full game of work. Uh, since week one, I think he had totaled 20 carries. He had 20 carries by himself in week nine. So that that's the only real takeaway for me. The rest of this game, Ray, pretty well junk. The big worry for people now is with the Stafford injury, what we saw from Brett Rippon was bad. And because of that, we didn't get anything from Cup or Nakua. Mm-hmm. Is is that going to be the rest of the season? I mean, if Stafford's out, are these guys kind of screwed? Well, yeah, because the trade deadline's passed, so you're hoping to woo Colt McCoy out of retirement or something. If you know you want to make him, maybe Philip Rivers still wants to play football. Who knows? Um, I found it interesting. You know, Sunday mornings I do the Twitter thing for uh, Sirius at SiriusXM Fantasy, and I'm. I am not exaggerating when I believe the amount of questions I received on Puka Nakua yesterday was the highest level of questions about one player I've ever received on a mm. Sunday morning. And I have done this for a decade, answering questions on to hundreds of questions each week, right? I received hundred, probably 125, 150 questions about Puka. <laughs> I received one about Cooper Cup. One. One single Cooper Cup question. Wow. And I, I tweeted out like, oh, why is it? You know, it's crazy. What's why the difference no between the two, honestly? And I said, why is everyone like every third question was puka, 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 one single. And I said, hey, you know, what's going on? And someone said, well, it's Cooper Cup. And I said, and has anyone yeah. noticed the last two weeks with Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup has vanished from this offense? Yes, eight and catches he, in the last three weeks total. Yes. So he's done nothing. He's done nothing for three weeks. He's the same guy as, as Puka for three weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, this is bad. And this shows you the difference between even a Matthew Stafford who's not no longer great and a Matthew Stafford who's not at the, the peak of his talents. It shows you what a confident NFL quarterback can do for an offense and what happens when you don't have one. So to answer your question, you know, Puka and Cup desperately need Stafford back. Yeah. If they don't, I mean, this is this has got train wreck already is or three and six got train wreck written all over it. As long as you're in a PPR setup, Ray, I'm still starting these guys. I, I need more than just one game or you know, the first game with Brett Rippon. And I say that because I guess I'm going to exude some confidence in Sean McVay figuring out how to get these guys the football. I, I 
he, he did it so well with Cup. We saw it with Nakua. Now, maybe that was all Matthew Stafford's doing. Perhaps it was. Um, and we don't know the status of Stafford. I'd love to sit here and say he's going to be back in week 11 or whatever it is, but we just don't know. Right. Uh, this, this thumb thing, they're, they're being pretty shady, pretty cloak and dagger about what's going on. So, Ray, maybe we're stuck with ripping. You know, maybe Stafford just bags it. Um, who knows? The team's going nowhere. They're three and six now. But but I do tend to think as long as you're in a PPR setup, we can still see games of like five or six catches for these guys. And honestly, if you can get that, and I think you can still with these guys, with Brett Rippon, I can't bench them. And and I may be in the minority coming off of yesterday, but Ray, those guys are still starters in my book. Well, it's just funny because I remember when Puka exploded at the start of the season. Uh, he had a couple of huge games, right? He's setting He's still setting rookie records, but... Um, he was a superstar wide receiver one book it. And now people don't even want to play him. I mean, it's <laughs> crazy. We're halfway through the season. Now it's gone from he's the star to I don't even want to start this guy. Um, the Rams and, you know, the Rams suck. And they sucked last year too. I don't, I mean, and Sean McVay has had a lot of success as a coach. And Where is that genius now? They can't run Ooh. the ball. They can't throw the ball. They can't put up points. Like it's bad. You know, they're signing guys off their couches to, to be their lead running back. I mean, this is... Yeah, they haven't had a running back, Ray, really, since they got to L.A. I mean, because it was supposed to be Todd Gurley, and he flamed out. And they, they haven't found an answer since then. They've, they're going on like six, seven years of looking for a running back. Yeah, and even Kyron Williams, who a, was a top 10 running back in a PPR setup entering this week, uh, he'd had one game where he ran for 60 yards. Like, it's because he had all the touchdowns, right? So I, I think that... You know, it depends on your makeup and all that kind of thing. But yeah, Cup and Nakua, even if you want to say they're wide receiver threes or, you know, low twos, high three, whatever, they they should still be starting, I think, in most scenarios. Mm-hmm. But we'll have to see. They If they had Matthew Stafford back, obviously we'd feel much better. But the UCL injury, to your point, we haven't really heard. UCL injuries, sometimes it's rest. Sometimes surgery is required. The UCL in the thumb, not the one in the elbow. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a scenario that without the strength there to throw a football, you know, you just can't play three points for the Rams in their loss at green Bay, three points for their NFC West counterparts, the Seattle Seahawks, who got blasted off the football field by Baltimore. Uh, this Ravens team is very different by the way at home. I mean, they come out and light you up. What's crazy about this game, Ray, 37 points for Baltimore. We didn't get a single touchdown rushing or passing from Lamar Jackson. Whew. Wow. That's and, and Lamar's doing Lamar things. The team's winning. And people are calling them Super Bowl contender. And they probably are. But for the fantasy player, yesterday sucked if you had Lamar Jackson. Uh, it wasn't like an eight-point effort. He was good enough. But you get 37 points and yet no touchdowns from Lamar Jackson in that win. Yeah, right now, you know, before... Monday Night Football. He's 15th at quarterback this week. And, you know, this is, we talk about this a lot. You see the scoreboard, you miss the game, you're out doing a family thing, you get home 37. Yeah, Lamar Jackson. Oh, like you're like, you're assuming that it's going to be some big effort. It wasn't even a solid effort. It was a poor effort uh, given his expectations and previous levels of performance. And, you know, this is, this is another team that, like we're talking about, they're seven and two. You, you laid it out properly with them, Kyle, but they're not the sexy team. From the fantasy perspective, they're they're the same kind of offense, right? Yeah. I know there was all this excitement, this thing, and and I guess there's probably things on the on the periphery they've changed and improved upon. I'll give you that, but you know they're still a a, a kind of a ho hum team. 
that won't excite you in the fantasy realm. And, and even though Lamar Jackson's uber exciting and he has this great ceiling, he still is, is having games, Ray, that, you know, for lack of a better word, are duds. You know, and, and, and like if he puts up that many points and the Ravens score 10, it's understandable. But when you score 30, like if the Chiefs score 37, or Tua scores, the, the Miami Dolphins score 37, or, or the Bills, or, or the Bengals. When those teams score 37, you know that your quarterback is putting up numbers. Right. But, Ray, with Lamar Jackson, we, we still don't know if he's putting up numbers in, in a game like yesterday. Yeah, add up the points that Lamar Jackson scored the last two weeks, and you're not going to get to the point total that Joshua Dobbs had yesterday. Wow. That's that's where we're at. And they scored and, 30 last week, too. Yeah. Against Arizona. Last week, he had fewer fantasy points than he did this week, Lamar Jackson. Um, and neither week did he get the 13 points. I mean, it's so, yeah, I think that, in you know, I know that there's a backfield situation to talk about here. Uh, but really, I mean, let I'll say it this way Seattle sucks. We talked about this last week. They sucked. They were not in their five and two record was not indicative of the team they were. They got smashed. Geno Smith looked like crap, like really bad. The Ravens are still about their kicker, their defense, and the athleticism of their quarterback. Let's talk about that backfield. I say the Ravens are still the Ravens. Uh, Ray, I feel really good about saying that because they're still like throwing out running backs out of nowhere, like literally Keaton Mitchell. Come on. Mm-hmm. Is it zero carries before week nine? Zero. And Ray, all he does is go for 138 yards on nine carries. And I, I suppose he'll be the hot pickup in the backfield. I, I was saying last night, I was doing the show over on Sirius, that it's like, I, I get it. People are scrambling. They're desperate. Bye weeks, all this. And, and they're looking for anything. And I guess Keaton Mitchell is anything. But Ray, I don't think four weeks from now, we're talking about Keaton Mitchell. I, I just don't. There's not an answer when you pick up Keaton. I, I don't even know. Like if I pick him up this week, Ray, I outspend three other owners in my league to get him. Am I starting him? I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that start in week 10. I, I, I don't know at all what you're getting with this kid. They blew him out. He had two giant runs. He's been unseen all season. To me, I'm not interested in Keaton Mitchell. I'm not even getting into that bidding war. Well, it's really interesting because he played 14 snaps yesterday and ran three routes. I mean, Patrick Ricard played 23 snaps and ran five routes. Like this Mitchell, you know, Justice Hill played three times as many snaps and ran nine times as many routes. True story. Um, you know, they 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 destroyed Seattle. They destroyed them. They got the two touchdowns out of Gus Edwards. So I think Gus Edwards has six rushing scores in three weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of rested him. Maybe it was the toe issue. They were ahead, so they kind of rested him. Justice Hill, again, was the guy. He played 48 snaps. Mitchell played 14. So Justice Hill was the guy that was out there all game. Mitchell's exciting, and he's a potentially dynamic weapon. But he's 5'8", 185 pounds. Um, lots of concerns about his ability to break a tackle. No one thinks he can run up the gut in the NFL. Uh, concerns about his you know blitz pickup, his, his ability to block guys, all this kind of – he is a weapon on an offense – but he's not a central piece of an offense at this point of his career, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So this is another one of the guys, and let's not forget here with the Ravens that they've got all these guys. Rashad Baton was supposed to be that guy. He doesn't do anything. Zay Flowers was that guy until the last two weeks. He's vanished from the offense. They have weapons. Yeah. But the backfield guy you want is still Gus Edwards, and I still think that you know Justice Hill with the workload, Mitchell is someone people need to be careful with this week. Got a few more games to get to uh, before Ryan Clifford joins us to uh, talk a little Monday night football between the Chargers and the Jets. We'll talk DFS showdown with him. 
Uh, let's hit the Bears and the Saints. Uh, Tyson Bajant was rushing for 70 yards. Tyson Bajant ended up with more than 20 fantasy points. He also had four turnovers. Um, he fumbled one away. He threw three picks. Uh, the, the exciting thing, Ray, if such a thing can be termed, is Tyson Bajant to Cole Komet. Uh, 10 targets last week, eight targets this week, couple of touchdowns on Sunday. The problem is it sounds like Justin Fields could be back in week 10. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I, Cole Komet's fine. Um, if you got him, you just roll with him. People want to go up and down. He's good. He sucks. He's good. He sucks. You know, he's one of those classic tight ends, Ray, where you just roll with him. You just let him out there. We, we've seen, I think he's got the physical skill set. Um, the Bears offense actually moved well with Bajent in, in week nine. Maybe they'll say, hey, let's give him another week. Let's give Fields another week to get healthy with this thumb. Uh, Mooney was involved. Moore was involved. Komet was involved. Johnson, uh, our foreman, I should say, was having some good work in the backfield. They look pretty decent, but it all may change as soon as next week if Fields returns. Yeah, I didn't. And I got this distinct impression watching the game yesterday that this was the exact same offense with Justin Fields. It was just with a lesser version in Bajan. Like they, it seemed like the exact same offense, mm -hmm. right? And you know, you look at Bajan, he had the 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 three picks and the in the fumble. He had a two touchdowns. It should have been one touchdown and four picks. Cole Komet's touchdown in the end zone, he basically stole from the defender. It was an excellent catch by Cole Komet. Uh, both of his catches were nice catches. Uh they they have established DJ Moore in the offense. And then, you know, the youngster comes along it's under center and it's like, well, now we're getting five targets, to DJ Moore. And he had a fumble yesterday. And the offense is just kind of, you know, just kind of there. Getting Justin Fields back, getting Khalil Herbert back, I think helps. But Komet is not likely to have huge games like yesterday very often, but he is a central part of the offense. And uh, I think you said it right. He's just someone you start every week. You know, it's one thing with with Fields returning. Uh, we got a question in the chat room uh, about Rashawn Johnson, and that leads to this backfield. You know, Johnson, I, I feel bad for the kid. He got a concussion at the exact wrong time. You know, if, if things had worked differently, maybe he's the guy getting 15, 20 carries in week nine. Instead, it's Dante Foreman, who, again, has looked pretty good. Ray, I wonder when Khalil Herbert returns, is he the guy? Or, or do they say, wow, we've gotten enough from Foreman. He's just as good as Herbert. I, I think we're trending to kind of a messy situation in the back half of the season. Yeah, according to Ted Schuster, uh, and this he said this on Sirius XM last week, the that show, the Elite Sports Show, is Monday through Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, he's like, look, when you've got three guys getting ball the ball every week on a consistent basis and maybe four running backs, you don't have an answer. I don't know what the Bears are doing. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Foreman is what he is, and we saw that yesterday. 20 carries, 83 yards, gets what's blocked, breaks a tackle or two. That's who he is. Um, you know, Roshan Johnson theoretically is more dynamic. They, Darrington Evans has had some nice moments. But I think that Khalil Herbert is their most complete running back. I would think he'd get an opportunity to lead this backfield. But what does that mean? He gets 11 touches. Foreman gets four. Johnson gets six. I mean, it's just a situation where they haven't been able to establish anyone on offense really all season long other than DJ Moore and I guess Cole Komet. Um, so Johnson, I think, is yeah, and this is this is also the injury, the issue too, with young players and you know people trying to guess. And I, I talk about this every week with people. I'm picking up this running back off waivers and this running back off waivers. You know, everyone gets excited about these guys at times, and I think mm -hmm. the majority of the time you get disappointed. I don't think there's an answer right now for the Bears. Quickly on the Saints side, right? Taysom Hill um, threw a touchdown, caught a touchdown. I said with Cole Komet. Just roll with him as a tight end. If you've got Taysom Hill available as a tight end, can you just roll with him now? 
Is it? Is, are we good enough to say, hey, the way he's being used in the touchdown production, he's as good as any other tight end outside the top two or three? <laughs> yeah, he's uh, – I'm trying to think. I think we had him 13th at FantasyGuru.com this week, and I think next week he has to be higher. Yeah, I think to answer your question is yes. That's three weeks in a row he's been an integral part of the offense with Saints. He's been very productive for the Saints. And look, we can all – let's be honest about this. Taysom Hill's not a tight end. Okay, and, we, it, you know, this is a cheat code, and it's not right. Yeah. It's just a cheat code. He doesn't play tight end. And What should he be listed as? He should be listed as flex, honestly. And I know that sucks, but he should be listed either as a quarterback or a flex because he, he's <laughs> – he does everything out of the backfield. He's 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 the quarterback more than as much as he is the, the tight end, and he's certainly more involved touch basis as the quarterback position. He's a tweener, but I think he should be at worst a QB, and at best he should just be flex. He's not a tight end. Saints win it 24 to 17, and uh, I guess it changes kind of every week. But now they are perhaps the leader in the clubhouse of the NFC South. Uh, staying in the South Carolina, nowhere near the uh, top of the board in the NFC South. Uh, they weren't even in this game. Um, Indianapolis went to uh, Charlotte and kind of embarrassed them. And it's nothing that the Colts did offensively. Like they weren't that good either. Uh, it was all about pick sixes and, and, you know, Bryce Young's having issues. He looks like a rookie quarterback and, you know, Kenny Moore, the second couple of pick sixes. That was exciting. Uh, probably the biggest thing out of this game, Ray, is we finally saw Jonathan Taylor kind of become the guy. Um, Zach Moss was still in there, but for the first time really this year, it was all JT, and he looked good. Moss was barely on the field. I, I saw a number on snap counts, like 13 snaps. So I don't know if it's a one-game blip, but for everybody with a Jonathan Taylor you know, ownership or, or share, you had to feel good that he was up there and getting all the work like you expect him to be. Yeah, 13 snaps, three routes run. So he was not part of the offense. Taylor had 45 snaps and 21 routes run. And this is something we all anticipated occurring at some point. At least we, everyone should have. I know everyone didn't. We should have, and we did. You and I, we talked about on the show. You don't pay a running back $900 million to have him be sharing the backfield. Like, it just doesn't make any mm -hmm. sense. And it does seem weird, as we talked about as well, that the Colts didn't trade Zach Moss when his value was higher than it was ever, ever going to be. Uh, it's also amazing to think that Zach Moss, as we sit here right now on a Monday morning, Zach Moss is second in the NFL, and he basically has no role in his offense anymore, <laughs> second in the NFL in rushing yards. Um, so yeah, this is, I think what we saw yesterday is more likely to be what we see moving forward. It was depressed because of the way the offense, you know, like you said, they didn't have to do anything in this game. So maybe it's 10 touches a week kind of thing for Moss moving forward, but it's very difficult to envision him gaining a substantial rollback now that Taylor's rocking and rolling. You use the uh, word depressed that leads us to the giants who go to Vegas on Sunday and get crushed 30 to six and Daniel Jones, right? It sounds like an ACL. Didn't look good at all. That that team, you want to talk about last season being exciting, fresh, and new. This is a total 180 for the Giants. They're cooked. They're finished. Um, I don't know who their quarterback's going to be the rest of the season. Uh, but even on the Raiders' side, Ray, Devontae Adams. Th this is, you know, complaining about Lamar Jackson, no touchdowns when the team scores 37. How about Devontae Adams really doing nothing when his team scores 30? And and Devontae Adams, this is now he, he's disappeared in the in the last month. He was he was absolutely Devontae Adams in the first four weeks of the season. Tons mm -hmm. of targets, receptions, yardage. Now it's it's just poof, gone with Devontae Adams. Trey Tucker made a great catch on that 50 yarder, and that led the team in yardage. One catch. 
Like I don't, I don't, I understand Jimmy Garoppolo's got issues and all that, but Aiden O'Connell makes your team better. I don't get that. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't remember when O'Connell was drafted. A lot of people saying there's the quarterback of the future for the Raiders book it. Like it's just a weird change that they have made. A lot of things came out about what was said in the locker room with Josh McDaniel and all that. So they're turning the page, but the problem is they're turning the page to a point where they've got an inexperienced quarterback under center who, you know, learning the ropes here. We're not going to complicate things for the youngster. And I, someone asked me this in, in Discord earlier in the week, and they, Ray, what do you think about Devontae Adams? And I said, look, if I'm O'Connell, I'm throwing the ball 12 times to that dude. Yeah. Like that's I, I don't, whatever the play is. Okay, coach. Okay, okay. I'm gonna look this way, and then I'm throwing it to him. Like I don't understand how you can play. He got seven targets to lead the team. Well, and it was nothing finished. early. There was a point where the camera showed he and the, the interim coach Antonio Pierce talking, and that was at a point where I think Adams was like virtually ignored in the first half. Yeah. And and then they had that talk, and I kind of thought to myself, oh, they're going to get him the football so he doesn't start slamming helmets again. And they did. He had seven targets, I think, six or seven, all of them, maybe in the second half. But you're right, Ray. They got 12 times. 12 times to him, 10 times to Myers. But these guys have got to be the focus when you're throwing the football. They do, and I I see a disturbing trend in the fantasy space as well as the logical space. Hunter Renfro is now back as a thing in the offense. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, stop doing this. And I don't know. I mean, if any, if, if you would have thought, just as a you know side, you would have thought things hadn't gone well for Devonte Adams recently. We know in order to win football games, we have to establish him. I'm the new head coach. I'm calling his number ten or twelve times. Didn't happen yesterday. They won a football game against a, a crappy team, as you noted. But the fact that they didn't do what we all anticipated that they should do and, quite frankly, need to do to be successful is a growing concern with Devontae Adams. Josh Jacobs had a, a couple of short TD plunges, um, almost got to 100 yards. I think last season he had six or seven games over 100 yards rushing. He's got zero this season. He got the 98 on Sunday. He was actually over 100 and then went backwards. Uh, Raiders do get the win 30 to six. And again, the news for the Giants, not good. It does sound like an ACL tear for uh, Jones. Remember over the weekend, Darren Waller placed on IR, Tyrod Taylor placed on IR as well. So Saquon Barkley, probably not looking forward uh, to the final two months of his season. Uh, let's see, not much to say on Washington and New England. Um, commanders get a 20 to 17 victory. I'll say this, Sam Howell, second straight game over 300 yards. He's throwing a lot. The commanders throw and throw and throw. They, they love to throw, and that may help Sam Howell finish as a QB1 just because they throw a lot. They're like top four, top three in pass attempts. So as long as that keeps happening and the revival of Jahan Dotson continues, as long as these things keep happening, maybe you get something from Sam Howell. And then quickly, Ray, I know Ryan Clifford is uh, set to join us. We'll get to him in just a few seconds. But the Sunday nighter, um, scoreboard a little misleading there. I mean, Cincinnati wins by six against Buffalo, but I thought they dominated this game. Um, for me, I, I think I'm, I, I feel good about saying the Bengals look back and it's because Joe Burrow looks back. It's he, he wasn't right in the first month. I kind of worried if it would stretch on and on and on. Bye week uh, seemed to get him a lot better. They look great against the Niners. I thought they looked good last night. And I guess the Bengals go as Joe Burrow goes, it seems. Yeah, and he's back. Right. And this is something we talked about a lot at fantasyguru.com. The fact that, yes, he was disappointing. Yes, it didn't get done at the start of the season. A lot of people panicked. A lot of people, even when they saw that first game when he was quote unquote back, were still not playing him the next week, all that kind of stuff. If you've got Joe Burrow, it's it, let's go. Uh, the mm -hmm. Bengals are now five and three. As you mentioned, the solid football game last night. Everything is going in a positive direction with this team. They look like the team we expected when the season began. 
not the team we saw at the start of the season. And, you know, Burrow, 348 and two touchdowns. That's a couple of weeks in a row where he's not just look good. He's look pretty, pretty damn great. Uh, I think it's time to get really excited about the Bengals uh, because that quarterback is healthy. He's ready to rock. And that offense is starting to trend up. Yeah, the disappointment there was Jamar Chase. He was quiet, really quiet. Everything going to T. Higgins, uh, even Tyler Boyd a bit more than Chase as the Bills slowed him down. Uh, Josh Allen looking okay. Uh, neither rushing attack got going. Stephon Diggs got his, and Gabe Davis did his again. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Gabe Davis, come on, buddy. <laughs> I mean, guy, it used to be Deshaun Jackson was the roller coaster, but boy, Gabe Davis has taken that title. Not even close. And Deshaun had better highs than Gabe Davis even has. But I mean, Gabe Davis not only was it just two targets, didn't have a catch. Yeah. Like I, I, and, and he, you know, he had a long stretch. We had like what five touchdowns in six games, yeah. or whatever the heck it was. But poof, poof, it's gone. Speaking of poof, it's gone. Uh, the LA Chargers—they're not going to have Josh Palmer tonight. Uh, he's out with a knee injury. In fact, he's on IR. Maybe Quentin Johnston tonight. Who knows? Let's uh, take a look at Monday Night Football. With our man Ryan Clifford, who is back with us when we have a single showdown slate, we have Ryan right here on Fantasy Sports Daily. Of course, he had the write-up last night for the Bengals and the Bills, last week for the Steelers and the Titans, and of course, write-up for the Chargers and the Jets is uh, going to be available in mere moments at FantasyGuru.com. Uh, Ryan, it is good to see you, and I guess I'll start with the Chargers. Um, with no Josh Palmer, I guess that means a lot of Keenan Allen, which could make him exciting, but... Are you willing to, to kick the tires on Quentin Johnston, or is there somebody else with this Chargers receiving crew that you'd be interested in? Yeah, I, you know, Quentin Johnston was getting more involved last week, uh, even with Palmer in the lineup, so I do think we see a lot of him tonight. But we got Jalen Guyton coming back as well. Uh, Chargers really like him, so I, I'd expect him to you know, slide right into that Palmer role. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, with obviously the the receiving core uh russell i mean excuse me uh brian with the the chargers because quentin johnson theoretically should step forward here he's got the size he's got the pedigree he's got the expectation a lot of people are you know disappointed where we've been to date so talk to us a little bit more about him and also darius davis who you know you see mentioned there especially in the showdown slate talk to us about those two guys in a little depth yeah, Quentin Johnson, extremely productive receiver when he was uh, in college with TCU. Definitely one of the disappointments, I think, um, if, as far as fantasy, you know, first-round draft picks go this year. Um, he just had not been getting any looks from Justin Herbert um, mm -hmm. throughout the first five, six games of the season. Uh, and then all of a sudden last week, you know, I know Palmer was dealing with a, an issue last week as well. Um all of a sudden, Herbert's throwing the ball to him. You know, it seemed like every down there for for a little bit. Um, so, yeah, they got to get him more involved. Um, it, it's not a good look to have your first round pick come in and be invisible like he was for the first quarter of the season. So, um, I do think that you know his role probably doesn't change much because I do think Jalen Guyton comes in and kind of slides into that role that Palmer was in. Um, Darius Davis. You know, he's kind of one of those speed guys. I, I The thing I worry about with him is he's not getting snaps. Uh, Simi Fihoko was getting more snaps than he was last week after Palmer went out. So um, I do worry about Davis. He's, you know, just kind of a punt for me this week. What about Keenan Allen? I know that there's, there's some people, Ryan, that, you know, 
they hear they say Sauce Gardner, Sauce Gardner. They think as if Sauce Gardner is going to cover Keenan Allen on 100% of the snaps tonight and all that. Mm-hmm. So I, I know there's some trepidation even in the, the regular season community in fantasy football. Talk to us about your expectations of Keenan Allen tonight. It's not an easy matchup, but he's not going to get Sauce Gardner on every snap. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, it's not just Sauce Gardner. The Jets are the number one team in the league um, as far as fantasy points to opposing wide receivers per game goes. Uh, they're, you know, keeping everything to the middle of the field. Uh, Keenan Allen is going to play in the middle of the field a lot. So, you know, he's the guy. You know, it's funny. These teams kind of mirror each other on offense a lot tonight. Brees Hall, Austin Eckler, Garrett Wilson, Keenan Allen. So much of the offense is going to be funneled to these guys. So talking from, you know, a showdown slate perspective, you know, the captain pool can can be really narrow tonight. Much, much of your exposure can go to those four. Yeah, I, I mean, speaking of the captain pool, you know, sometimes we get a matchup Ryan, where it's like, oh, there's uh, eight, nine, ten guys. There's so many weapons here that you can at least consider. You look at these two teams and five, maybe six, if you include Zach Wilson, um, which, hey, if you're going for the big prize, maybe you choose Zach Wilson over Herbert. But I I, I would suspect Herbert is going to be in everybody's lineups. Does Zach Wilson deserve a mention here or is it just too damn ugly for, for you to even think about rostering him? Yeah, I was surprised to see Zach Wilson been an optimal captain showing up three times over the past three Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, um, he, you know, I was looking at his, you know, stats from this year. He seems to have like a decent floor. I don't think he really projects well as a captain um, tonight. But yeah, I mean, the Chargers, they have the worst pass defense in the league. So, I mean, if there's going to be a game that Wilson's going to, I think his lead, his season high right now is 245 yards. So if there's a game that he's going to go over that, you know, it's probably going to be this one. Well, let me let me follow up on that real quickly. Um, if if you captain him, it's 13-2 versus like 18 grand for Austin Eckler. So there's not a giant. There's savings, of course. What would be like if you if you went that route and you said Zach Wilson's going to be my captain? What would make it work? Like, what kind of game would he have to have? Because obviously that gives you 5,000 extra bucks to get Herbert and Eckler and Allen. Like, you could load up on these other guys. What would you need from Zach Wilson to say, okay, that was a good enough decision to make him my captain tonight? Yeah, I mean, there's two things that we always look for for quarterbacks if we're going to play them as that captain is, A, they need to spread the ball around. They need to throw a few touchdowns to multiple different receivers. Um, Or, B, they're going to rush the ball pick up, you know, 50 yards on the ground and, and run in for a touchdown. Um, I don't think Zach Wilson really does either of those things. Mm. So uh, I'm okay, you know, leaving him out of my captain pool tonight for sure. He doesn't do many things very well, Ryan. Let's <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, come on, Ray. He's pretty good on the center to QB exchange. He's pretty oh, good okay. He's, he's got a strong arm. I'll give him that. <laughs> Um, talk to us more directly, Ryan, and we're talking to Ryan Clifford, uh, about the backfields. You've got Austin Eckler, who Kyle mentioned, at 18,000. Brees Hall's at 15,6. Both uh, weapons, obviously, integral to the success on their the both sides of the football. Uh, Eckler at the top, Hall a little bit lower down. How do you see those two running backs? I really like Hall tonight. I, I like him more than Eckler tonight. Um, but, yeah, both of these guys, you know, my – uh, write-ups are always DK-centric, so we've got PPR scoring. Both of these guys are going to catch a lot of balls. They're going to get a majority of the rushing attempts for their teams. Um, I, I do prefer Hall tonight. I think the matchup's a little better for him, uh, and I do think that you know he's a, a bit more used. Uh, a lot of people are forgetting about Joshua Kelly. He's still getting a ton of snaps in this offense, even with Eckler uh, healthy. 
So um, Brees Hall is kind of taken over, you know, I don't want to say a bell cow role, but uh, definitely is the feature back now. Michael Carter, Dalvin Cook, you know, barely on the field anymore. So um, I, I think Hall, you know, just the workload alone and, and the matchup, I like him. And Ray mentions the uh, salary difference, about 2400 With that extra money, what's it allow you to do? If you go with Hall as your captain, is is there a big gain with one of your flex calls that, that you're able to do because of the extra money sitting around? Yeah, I mean, if you if you go, you know, you always got to tell a story with your showdown lineup. So if you're going with Hall and captain, um, you're expecting him to, you know, be running the ball a lot. And that's either going to be because, A, uh, the Jets are way ahead. Um or B, he's going to be catching a lot of passes out of backfield because the Chargers are, you know, keep you know the the, the game's close. So um, I think you look at the two receivers. You know, we were talking about how narrow the the focus is on offense tonight. So Keenan Allen, Garrett Wilson, I think you know you got to consider those two guys in a majority of your, your lineups. Um, the quarterbacks, I, I don't think. Uh, if you're captaining Brees Hall, I don't think Zach Wilson should be an opt-in for option for your flex as those two, you know, have a bit of negative correlation with one another. So um, if I am captaining Hall, I think I'm looking Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, and uh, probably fitting in some cheaper pieces. Ryan Clifford column uh, will be up momentarily at fantasyguru.com, depending on when you're watching this on, on Monday afternoon, if you are. Uh, it'll already be up. Of course, he'll be in Discord tonight. Uh, Chargers on the road for this one. They are a favorite, though, by three and a half. The game total is 40. Uh, Ryan Ray and I opened the uh, program today talking about the the you know lack of offense, if you will, on Sunday, which is understandable with the quarterbacks that we're playing. Uh, 40 is another low number. Um, over or under, what's your model say? I got it slightly over. I've got 22-21 Jets tonight. That would be 43. Just a bit over, about a field goal higher. Okay, Ryan, appreciate it, man. Sorry to make you wait there when we were finishing up our uh, Sunday thoughts. We appreciate you hanging, and I guess we'll do it again on uh, Thursday when we talk uh, and get, get ready for uh, week number 10, okay? Sounds great. Take care. You bet. Ryan Clifford hanging out with us here near the end of our Fantasy Sports Daily get-together. Uh, while we were visiting with Ryan Ray, we got some confirmed news from Giants Land about Daniel Jones. Yeah, Daniel Jones is done. He did tear his ACL. Uh, the injuries continue to mount for Daniel Jones, so clearly his season is over. Uh, the question is now, is it Tommy DeVito? Is it Matt Barkley? Do they get someone off the street? What do the Giants do, and what is shaping up to be a lost season? They're 2-7, and seven, but uh, they won't have Daniel Jones, and that's obviously not good news for the entirety of this offense because there is nothing there that anyone's looking at at the moment other than Saquon Barkley, who, by the way, Saquon Barkley can't play a football game without missing snaps with some kind of injury. <laughs> happened again yeah. yesterday. Uh, so I, I, I have concerns well, about whether he's going to be able to make it if they're giving him the ball. Yeah. Well, that, that was going to lead to my next question, Ray. Here, here's a guy um, who did not get the Taylor treatment. He didn't get a contract. He did not get the Josh Jacobs treatment. He's playing on a one-year deal. The, the logic says, okay, this, this offense sucks. QB sucks. But we do have Saquon Barkley, 20-plus carries a week. I wonder if we get that, Ray, because like you said, Saquon Barkley seems to be every single week missing snaps. And as a guy goes into free agency, does he really want to go into free agency with like, I don't know, 280 carries on his body? I mean, maybe he does it. So I, you know, this is the business side. It's a lost season. They're finished. The team has already said, Saquon, move on. I mean, that's what they've said with the way they've handled the contract is you're free to walk after this year. 
I, I wonder, Ray, what does he think if they turn to him and say, we're going to need you for uh, 92% of the snaps and at least 20 carries a week. I wonder what he tells them as he uh, looks ahead to free agency in his future. <laughs> yeah, my elbow's a little sore, guys. That's what yeah. I'm going to tell him. I don't and again, you know, this is not fair. He's a football player. He's getting smashed and all that. But he is continually beat up. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, they were talking about his wind and not being able to breathe and all these kind of things. And it's just it's a good it's a really good question because this yeah. team is not making the playoffs. There's nothing really Saquon Barkley can do on the field that's going to change yeah. the opinion of yeah. front office people. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess the thing to do would be to sit out the rest of the year. <laughs> I mean, honestly, and save his body. So, it, it, you know, I, I don't know. It's a great question. And for a guy yeah. that does get those 20 touches that you just start every week in the fantasy space, there's got to be trepidation about what the second half of the season holds for him. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, it's in the books. It is our uh, weekly get together where we recap everything that is anything to you, the fantasy and DFS player. Uh, go a little long on Mondays because there's a lot to discuss. Obviously, preview Monday Night Football. Um, again, check out the column at fantasyguru.com. Uh, you see the promo code there at the bottom of the screen, FSD20. 20% off everything at fantasyguru.com. We will be back tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. Um, as always, if you miss the live broadcast, you can always catch it a bit later on the YouTube channel. Also, uh, we invite you to subscribe to uh, our podcast, which uh, each and every day, like Ray said, about 20 to 30 minutes after we sign off here, it will automatically go onto your phone, your listening device, whatever, and you are good to listen to us in audio version. So there we go, Ray. Fun one today, and we'll be back on a Tuesday. Okay, buddy? Absolutely. Yeah. FSD20 for that discount code, youtube.com slash at Elite Plus Network, and that also has links there on the YouTube page to both uh, Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. He is Ray Flowers. I'm Kyle Ulfring. This has been Fantasy Sports Daily right here, powered by FantasyGuru.com.